portrait of freedom. What is the portrait? A portrait is a picture. A portrait of freedom. A portrait of freedom. A picture of freedom. How many of you want to experience freedom in your lives? Some of you aren't looking that convinced. We'll read from scripture, Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read from verses 1 through to 12. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women, say certain other women. Yeah, that, yeah, that's very powerful. They and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. What I find very interesting here is that Jesus had already told them that guys on the third day I'm going to do what? Come on, it's Resurrection Sunday. On the third day, I'm going to do what? I'm going to rise. Jesus had told them that. Now, I don't know about you, but I would imagine, I would imagine if we were there and Jesus says this amazing thing, that guys, you know what? I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die. But on the third day, I will rise again. For me, that's quite major. Imagine someone, maybe your great uncle, maybe your grandparent, imagine they're your favorite and they say, I'm going to die, but in three days time, I'm going to rise from the dead. That's major, isn't it? You're going to be wondering, is this true or not? Especially if it's someone who's done so many miracles and if it's someone who's raised other people from the dead already. Just think about it. Surely it shouldn't be too surprising that they can raise themselves from the dead if they've done it to a number of people. And what I find interesting here is that despite the fact that Jesus had already said it, we see here that they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. I don't know how long it took them to prepare those spices. How many of you know that today God has spoken to us God is telling us all sorts of things, but very often we go through life still with our plan A, whatever plan A was. And so with them, they knew that if someone dies, what do you do? You prepare spices for their body. And after a few days, you go and you put those spices on that particular body, despite what Jesus had told them. Have you been in a situation, could you be in a situation right now where there are things God has spoken to you about? Maybe there's good news that has come through a prophetic word over your life, but you're still doing business as usual. You're still wasting time doing all sorts of things, but Jesus has said, you know what, this is my portion for you. What has God said to you? Because what I see these women doing is somewhere along the line, they wasted time preparing these spices. Simple as that. Because there was no way to put those spices because Jesus had risen from the dead. Are you wasting time running after all sorts of things yet Jesus had spoken already concerning your life? And I look here, it says, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. I don't know how long it took them. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And it seems like they still didn't wonder because then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it still seems like they were still perplexed because it says, and it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. So they weren't saying, good news, of course, remember he said he's going to rise from the dead. It says they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. 
Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, these men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? How many of you know that that's still happening today? There's a God-sized vacuum in each one of us where we are looking for Jesus, where we want our hearts, our souls to be filled with something only he can fill, but we're looking for him in the wrong place. He says, these men said to them, why are you looking for, for the living amongst the dead? How many of you know that you can look for Jesus in the wrong place? I said you can look for Jesus in the wrong place. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. So the angels reminded these women of things that Jesus had told them. The Bible says the Spirit of God will bring to remembrance the things that Jesus has taught you. My prayer for us this morning is that everything that Jesus has taught you and me by God's spirit will begin to remember how many of you know that the significance of the resurrection is not the fact that Jesus rose from the dead it's the fact that we believe that because it will not be significant and will not make a big difference in your life unless you believe the fact of the resurrection it's a fact it's a historical fact it happened. But how many of you know that if I want to experience resurrection life, I must believe? I decree over each person here this morning that whatever God has spoken to you by his spirit, he will bring to remembrance in this season. That you will remember the words he's spoken, the words of life over you. The things that you have forgotten, you will begin to remember. In this hour, you will begin to remember those things, even as these women remember the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now watch what happens. They, they were reminded, and in verse 8 it says, and they remembered his words. How many of you know there's what we call mind-blinding spirits? The Bible talks about how the enemy's strategy is to blind the minds of unbelievers. How many of you know that there's certain demonic entities that cause you to forget? The enemy knows that if you remember God's promise, if you remember God's word, tremendous power is released. And here we see a situation where they had forgotten something so significant. And it says, and they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven. They now have revelation. And to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. What was their response? And their words seemed like idle tales. How many of you know that there are certain spirits that can cause you to hear a message but the words seem like idle tales? How many of you know that you can come to a powerful service and the word is spoken directly to you and it kind of seems to make sense but as you leave you think it's not for me. It's what? It's idle tales. 
Their words seemed to them like idle tales. Despite the fact that Jesus had already told these people this, and now they're coming and saying, we're confirming that what Jesus said was true. Surely you should believe. Jesus has said it. We've seen the evidence. We've got no reason to make up stories, but they still did not believe. What is it that God has spoken to you in your life? But you still do not believe. People keep coming and confirming it. People prophesy over you and you say, oh, that's a confirmation. Thank you, pastor. That's a confirmation. But you still keep living like it's just an idle tale. Goes on to say, and they did not believe them. But Peter. Everyone say, but Peter. Are there any Peters here? Maybe it's your second name. No Peters. Any Pauls? Okay. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. I reckon he got the revelation. Amen. So what's the result of this? What is really going on when Jesus rose from the dead? It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 23 to 24. I like it in the Berean Study Bible. It says, he was handed over by God's set plan and foreknowledge. It's talking about Jesus. And you by the hands of the lawless. Remember, this is Peter when he's preaching. So he got the revelation. This man who ran to the tomb to see for himself, right? He's now preaching. And it says, by the hands of the lawless, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, releasing him from the agony of death. I love this. I think this is one of the most powerful phrases in scripture. Because it was impossible for him to be held in its clutches. Death could not hold him. Death could not hold him. Please say to the person next to you, death could not hold him. This is the basis for my freedom. Death could not hold Jesus. And because I am in Christ Jesus, death cannot hold me. Anything to do with death and dying cannot hold you down if you are in Christ Jesus. Your unity with Christ Jesus makes you a partaker of the divine nature. That's one of the most powerful phrases of scripture. And I'm telling you now, there's certain Christians who are born again, but they don't have this revelation. That there's the resurrection life, the Zoe life, the God kind of life that lives on the inside of you and me if we are born again. And because of that, death cannot hold us down. What is to do with death? Sickness. Discouragement. Despair. Sin. The strategies of the enemies against you cannot hold you down as long as you live from the place of resurrection life. Now, what I find interesting, if you look in the NIV, it says, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. For some of you right now, death is trying to hold you back. But you literally have to loose yourself from its grip simply because you've got resurrection life at work in you. I like it in the New Living Translation. It says, for death could not keep him in its grip. How many of you know that death has a grip? Some of you are sick in your bodies right now and you've been gripped by death. 
You have an appointment with death. But I'm going to know that if you have a revelation of resurrection life, death cannot hold you in its grip. Amen. Do you believe that? In the English Standard Version, it says, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. The nature of the God kind of life is that death cannot hold it. Now, my question to you is, what life do you want to live? Are you going to live the life of the flesh? Or are you going to live the life of the spirit? Romans 8 verse 2, for those of you who might still be doubting, the Bible tells us, it says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Which law are you going to live by? In the NLT it says, and because you belong to him, if you belong to Jesus this morning, shout out, I belong to him. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. We're talking about freedom. Has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. This is so exciting. Romans 8 verse 11. The spirit of God... What did the Spirit of God do? We heard Pastor Vim sharing about the different attributes of the Holy Spirit. And she mentioned that the Spirit is our helper. The Spirit gives us comfort. Amen? One of the other things the Spirit did was the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. Do you know that? That is one of the functions of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. Now watch this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Where does he live? You know that if you spend a few hours meditating on this scripture, you can't be the same. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and well inside you if you are born of the spirit. You see, what happens for a lot of us is when we pray for the sick, we pray from the perspective of a natural man. And we try and muster up faith. We try and muster up all sorts of stuff. And we feel like, man, it's not not working. But friends, when you have a revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory, everything changes. When you have a revelation that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, Everything changes. Say to the person next to you, everything is about to change. Okay. Because here I see something so powerful. It says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God, in other words, in the same way as, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit coming from the clouds far away by this same spirit in outer Mongolia by this same spirit in the revival in China over there by this same spirit living within that is powerful 
You know where unbelief comes from? Very often we will say, yes, I agree with everything that the word is saying, but it's not for me, it's for other people. Yes, I agree with everything the word is saying, but it's somewhere out there. It's some mystical thing. But the Bible here is showing me that the spirit lives within you. That is very powerful. That is very powerful. Now, what are we called to do? What are we called to do as a result of this revelation? In Acts chapter 4, verse 33, it says, And with great power, please say to me, say with me, and with great power. The apostles gave witness. You know what? You know what being a witness is? How many lawyers are here? I've got a, I know we've got a couple of lawyers in the church, right? What does it mean to give witness? It says, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's the significance of the resurrection. And great grace was upon them all. What is the word witness? To witness is to testify, not so. So if you've experienced something personally, when you're a witness of it, you basically testify that I know that this happened. And very often we limit our definition of witness to just that, testifying. But how many of you know that it's not just testifying, it's also providing the... Starts with an E. Providing the evidence. So when you're a witness, people say, what's your evidence? Very often the witness... It's partly the evidence. I was there. So when you witness, you are testifying concerning something you know experientially, but at the same time, you are also providing the evidence. And I find it interesting that the evidence here, it says, and with great power, the apostles gave witness. So people looked at their lives and thought to themselves, they're telling me something, but they're also demonstrating it. My question to you right now is, your life, is your life right now, a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is your life right now evidence of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead how many of you know that the only way we can demonstrate this is having a revelation that the spirit lives within us and that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in you and me if we're born again today amen now if you look at the etymology, the origin of this word freedom, if we're just looking at it in the English language, it's the word freedom, it was, okay? And it's the power of self-determination, it's the state of free will, it's emancipation from slavery, it's deliverance. That's how that word was used. And how I many of you know that we can also use that in the same way, even when, it's, when the Bible speaks about freedom. Everyone wants self-determination, self-governance. Amen? No one wants to be ruled. Come on now. As human beings, we were created for dominion, weren't we? Go and subdue the earth. Go and take dominion. And that's why we don't like being controlled. There's something about that. Tribes, nations want to govern themselves. They don't want someone else doing it for them. The state of free will, emancipation from slavery. How many of you know that you can be enslaved by your own addiction? You can be enslaved by your own sin, right? And deliverance. So that's how we've used it in the English language. But in scripture, I also find it interesting, and it ties in with the common use of this. There are three major applications of this word freedom. 
three major applications. Number one is freedom from the dominion of corrupt desires. Freedom from the dominion of corrupt desires so that we do by the free impulse of the soul what the will of God requires. So in other words, freedom to obey God. You're no longer bound by your own corrupt desires. We're going to have a time of communion at the end of this message and we'll have an opportunity if we need to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus, you'll have that opportunity because part of the freedom we get from the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that we're now free to obey God and we're no longer bound by our corrupt desires. Another application of it is liberty to do or to omit things that have no relation to salvation from the yoke of the Mosaic law. All right, we're freed from that. And often, if you look in the book of Galatians, when we talk about freedom, it was for freedom that you've been set free, right? By Christ. That's the application. Number three, freedom of speech. Often you would find Paul the Apostle using that word, where he would say, I could, can you pray for me for boldness, that I may speak freely the message of Christ. So that's freedom of speech, that's confidence, that's boldness, that's speaking, it uses the word to speak plainly. You might have seen that in certain scriptures. Speaking plainly, speaking openly, speaking publicly. So I want to say to you right now, if you're in a space in your life where you're bound by your own sin, where you're doing things that you don't want to do, it means that you haven't experienced the freedom, the complete freedom that came through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number two, if you are still in legalism and you're creating all sorts of rules and laws for yourself and relying on these for your salvation, you're still bound by that spirit of religion and have not come to complete freedom in Christ. Can I hear an amen? If you are still afraid of people and cannot speak freely, if you are still in a stage in your life where you are free when you are with some people, but the moment someone else walks into the room, you are afraid and your behavior changes, it means that you have not yet experienced this application of freedom, which we call boldness. Amen? You haven't yet fully experienced it. Freedom is your portion. Death could not hold Jesus down. It could not hold Jesus in its grip. And death, therefore, cannot hold you down. But the difference is, do you believe it or not? That's what makes the difference. In Christ, we have freedom. We're free in so many areas. And I want you to say these, please, as affirmations. Say, I'm free to choose. I'm free to associate. I'm free to obey God. I'm free to love. I'm free to love again. I'm free to forgive. I'm free to change my mind. I'm free to change directions. I'm free to change my habits. I'm free to start new habits. I'm free to be joyful. I'm free to choose my attitude. I'm free to choose my friends. I'm free to choose my spouse. If you've already chosen, okay. I'm free to choose my spouse. I'm free to prosper. I'm free to learn. You see, God has called us to freedom. 
And many of us as Christians, we are bound. We are bound by domination from other people. God never called anyone to dominate another person. We've been called to subdue the earth, but not to subdue other people. Amen? And some of you have been controlled in your lives. And you're so used to it, you've internalized it. You can't make decisions because you've got this thing that binds you where you just don't feel free. Some of you will say, no, Paul, in my situation, I can't forgive that person. No, in Christ Jesus, with the Spirit of God living in you, you can. The Bible tells me in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by His Spirit. If we have a revelation of all that we have through the Holy Spirit, everything changes in our lives, everything. Now, we live in a world where everyone is looking for freedom. People are desperate for freedom. And I was thinking about it. Have you noticed that so many songs, pop songs, popular songs, are to do with the quest for freedom? Just think about it. I'm thinking of, remember the song in 1984 by Queen, I Want to Break Free? Remember that song? I want to break free. Can't sing it like Freddie Mercury. Right? I want to break free. I, wa- I think it was from a relationship or something. But some people just want freedom. Freedom from some relationship. Addictive relationship perhaps. It says, I want to break free. I want to break free. I want to break free from your lies. You're so self-satisfied. I don't need you. I've got to break free. And the Christians like this part. God knows. God knows I want to break free. Right? And, but there's some truth to that. God does know people want to break free. It's just that they go to the wrong places for freedom. Amen? They go to the wrong places for freedom and ultimately results in their own death. Bob Marley. These songs of freedom. Do you remember that song? And and, and the words are quite interesting, hey? And it just shows that people are searching for freedom. But I want to tell you something. You can be freed from colonial masters, but still be bound by your own addiction. You can, you can have political independence, but still be bound by the spirit of greed. Amen. We know some nations like that, don't we? Amen. <laughs> but do you remember that song, that Bob Marley song? Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. Remember that song, right? Emancipate yourself from mental, from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Have no fear for atomic energy. Cause none of them can stop the time. How long shall they kill our prophets? While we stand aside and look. Oh, some say it's just a part of it. We've got to fulfill the book. Won't you help to sing these songs of? These songs of freedom. Because all I ever have redemption songs redemption songs redemption songs and he was big when it came to the whole thing of freedom those of you from Zim will remember in about 1979 before Zimbabwe got its independence there was that famous Bob Marley song we are gonna liberate Zimbabwe remember that song but here's the thing Sipo is dancing now but the point I'm making (laughs) the point I'm making is someone can die of an addiction but still have some revelation of political freedom, mental freedom. There are a lot of songs of freedom that he wrote. What am I saying? There's a quest for freedom in the heart of every human being. 
Think of those songs. Some, uh, some people have described it as a prophetic song that Diana Ross wrote. Remember in the 80s, I'm coming out, right? People want to come out. People want to be free to be themselves. Even with some of the women movements that were going on. Oh, girls just want to have fun. Why, did, why were they singing those songs and why were those songs so popular? Because women felt like, how come the guys get to do all the fun stuff and we're here just chilling at crib? Eating cheeps and reeps. Okay, just chilling at crib. Why? What is going on? There's something in your heart. There's something in my heart. We just want to break free and be freed. Amen? But here's the catch. We go to the wrong places. I don't know what your quest is. Maybe it's that teenager that just doesn't want rules anymore. And they're like, Mom, I'm 18. I want to be free. But then they go to the wrong place. I'm hearing the teens coming through there. Maybe it's a husband wanting to break free from his wife. We were watching a movie last night. It was a Christian movie. And there was a guy, he had backslidden. And he was actually a pastor. Uh, long story. But he had to do some premarital counseling together with his wife. And um, his wife said, you know, you just with premarital counseling, you have to shake people up a bit so they know the reality of marriage. And then he just, he had backslidden for years and he just went the other extreme and he was really shaking them up. And he was describing marriages, you know, going to prison without parole, etc. <laughs> and the, the people left crying and so on. But the point is, there's some people right now in their marriages, they just want to break free. They don't feel free. Question. In how you relate to your spouse, are you passing on freedom or are you just binding them in your shackles more and more? Are they free to be who they are? Are there boundaries that allow them to express their gift and their taste? Or do you have this thing where you have to like the same form of entertainment I like? You have to like my dress sense. You have to like my favorite color. You have to like my form of exercise. Amen? Nations want to break free from their colonial masters. So innately there's something in us that is looking for dominion, looking for freedom, looking for autonomy. But we remain dominated outside of Christ. Are you following me? We remain dominated by stuff outside of Christ. Everything that you look for in the world when you're looking for freedom can be found in Christ Jesus. Everything. Everything. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite scriptures. Who has blessed us. Say I'm blessed. blessed. With every. Not just some. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. What are you looking for? You know, as long as you go and look in other places, you'll never satisfy. You'll never find freedom. All these people who are looking for freedom, declaring it, if it was outside of Christ, what happened at the end of their lives? Many of them died premature death. They were looking for freedom in the wrong place. 
like what someone once said, real freedom is a life that has been liberated from the love of the self, idolatry, and redirected to the love of our Savior, glorious, unimaginable freedom. That is freedom. That is freedom. That is resurrection life. Colossians 2 verse 9 to 10. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. And you have been made complete. Say I've been made complete. In Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. You see when people are looking for freedom outside of Christ. They're really looking for completion. Because they feel that their lives are not adequate. So their mindset is, I must complete myself and get fullness of life somewhere else. And I'm here to say to you this morning, as long as you're looking somewhere else, you'll never walk in the resurrection life. You cannot function from two lives. You have to choose which one. The degree to which I die to self will be the degree to which I live to Christ. Amen? That you cannot have a resurrection without a death. If I want to experience resurrection life, I have to be willing to die to self. And that's where the problem is. Many of us are not willing to die. In the NLT it says, so you also are complete through your union with Christ. You're complete through your union with Christ. If you're not united to Christ, you're not complete. And you will keep looking and searching. But it will never fill you. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. Who is the head over every ruler and authority. I don't know about you. But I would rather be united. With someone who is the head over every ruler. And every authority. That's a good place to be. In the English Standard Version it says. And you have been filled in him. Who is the head of all rule and authority. You know that this saves us from lots of counseling sessions. Christians just having a revelation of this. In the Berean study Bible it says, And you have been made complete in Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So what do we find people looking for elsewhere? They're looking for a sense of meaning. They're looking for happiness. They're looking for significance. Ask yourself this question. Where do I find significance? A sense of significance is that sense of I matter. When I enter a room, my presence is felt. When I leave, the people miss me. That's a sense of significance. What's your source of significance this morning? Is it from the applause of people when you do a good job? Is it from people coming, maybe it's your teacher, maybe it's your coach coming and saying, well done, good boy. Where does your sense of significance come from? People are looking for acceptance. People are looking for belonging. People are looking for confidence. People are looking for security, peace, dignity, comfort. Where do you go for comfort? A preacher was saying, I was listening to a preacher and he was basically saying, I don't need to be encouraged. I could get what he was saying. He was saying, I don't need to be encouraged. I've trained myself to basically encourage myself in the Lord. How many of you know that in Christ you're complete? You see, because of our weakness and our frailty, we often need our brothers and sisters to come and boost us. 
But ultimately, God wants to take us to a place where we're continuously hearing from heaven, where we're continuously boosted because we know who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen? There's some people who get depressed unless someone comes alongside them and just boosts them. Where do you find strength? Where do you find hope? Where do you look for fulfillment? Where do you look for purpose? You see, in Christ, I have meaning. In Christ, I have happiness. In Christ, I have significance. In Christ, I have acceptance. In Christ, I have, a, I have belonging. In Christ, I have my confidence. In Christ, I have my sense of security. In Christ, I have peace. In Christ, I have dignity. In Christ, I have comfort. In Christ Jesus. I want to close off by sharing with you how we can walk in this freedom. I want to share with you some steps of how we can walk in freedom. Number one, we are freed through being filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. We are freed by being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us be continually filled by the Spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and active in you. But you'll only walk in freedom to the degree to which you're filled by the spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is? So if you're living in bondage, it tells me that there's no Holy Spirit there. Someone cannot say to me, oh yeah, we just are oh, the presence of the Spirit. Oh, I'm just experiencing the Holy Spirit. But they're living in legalism. That's not the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That's why you get boldness the more you walk in the Spirit. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that when you pray in the Spirit afterwards, when you then speak to people, you've got more boldness. Why? Because boldness comes from a place of freedom. Number two, we are freed through calling on the Lord in prayer. How many of you know that God does things in our lives in response to? In response to? In response to? Right. So the Bible tells us in Psalms, the book of Psalms, 118 verse 5, Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and did what? And set me free. If you're in bondage this morning... Call on the Lord and he will set you free. Number three, we're freed through knowing our calling to freedom. You see, as long as you think to yourself that, I know this Christianity thing, I know it's just bondage, I'll just be bound and so on, then you'll have a problem. But when you have a revelation that you've been called to freedom, everything changes. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, for you were called to... You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. We've been called to freedom. Number four, we are freed through knowing the truth. We cannot run away from this. One of the keys to complete deliverance is knowing the truth. And that's why we have to identify lies in our lives. And the Bible tells us in John 8 verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. If you abide in my word. 
Remember I've said to you before, we cannot separate deliverance from discipleship. You can't say, oh, pastor, lay hands on me. Oh, I'm free. And then avoid getting into the word. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Who's a disciple here? Abide in his word. That word abide means continue. Remain in. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and what will happen. And the truth will set you free. Question, what sets you free? Think about it a bit further. What sets you free? The truth doesn't set you free. Knowing the truth sets you free. The truth that you don't know won't set you free. Just look at the logical progression here. He says, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. The truth you do not know cannot set you free. Number five. We are freed through trusting only in Jesus. We are freed through trusting only in Jesus. You cannot serve two masters. You'll either love the one, you'll love the one and hate the other. I believe we're in a time and a season where God is calling us to choose. Do you want to live by resurrection life? Or are you going to live by another life? You're free to choose. Bible tells us in John 8 verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you go somewhere else for freedom, you won't really be free. You will feel free. You'll be like, oh, I've left my wife. Freedom, guys. Woo! You're not really free. If the sun sets you free, oh, you know, I'm smoking this stuff, I'm drinking this stuff, ah, I feel so good. Ooh. You're not really free. If the sun sets you free, then you're free indeed. Amen? Oh, I finally found this guy, he loves me, always tells me I'm so beautiful. Oh, this is what I've been looking for, searching for all my life. You're not really free. If the sun sets you free, then you're free indeed amen number six we're freed through dying we're freed through we're freed through we're freed through right Romans 6 verse 7 says for the one who has died has been set free from sin if you're struggling with an area of sin in your life just die just die how many of you know that if you see a dead body lying here, a dead body doesn't last? A dead body doesn't get offended. You can go and you can give it a boot. It doesn't get offended. The reason these things happen to us is our flesh is still alive and kicking. God is calling us to die. The degree to which we die will be the degree to which we experience resurrection life. Lord has challenged me recently on this. Paul, do you want to experience my resurrection life? Paul, do you know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, potentially can flow through you, but you need to, to die. 
That's what the Christian life is about. It's about dying so that you can live. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. There's no death to, there's no death. There's no resurrection without a death. There's a guy called Paul Coelho. Um, he's, a, he's an author. He wrote a book called 11 Minutes. And I was just reading the write-up about it. And one of the things he says, he's talking about it, the setting is in Brazil. How many of you know Paul Coelho? Okay. Yeah, okay. We've got playwrights here. You know, it's just playwrights. Okay, computer programmer knows Paul Quayler. Okay, cool. Very well read, Emily. I'm very impressed. All right. But he's talk- the setting is in Brazil. And I love this statement. He said, now that she had nothing to lose, she was free. Now that she had nothing to lose, she was free. You see, your freedom comes when you die. Your freedom comes when you die to that need for recognition, to that need for appreciation, to that need for significance. You see, as long as I need you to make me feel significant as a person, I will be offended every time you don't meet that need. But when that need is met in Christ Jesus completely, when you don't appreciate me, it doesn't affect me because I'm dead to that need from you. Are you hearing me this morning? And this is where God is taking us. He's taking us to a place of death. <laughs> now that she had nothing to lose, what are you afraid of losing? What are you afraid of losing? Just think about it. In your circle of friends, you'll only feel free when you die. That's when you'll feel free to be yourself, free to speak your mind. Only when you die. As long as you need them to boost your self-esteem, you won't be free. You will say things in order to get them to worship you. That's what it is. You'll change your story and you'll change your tune in order to please them. Because you haven't died to that. We can only experience resurrection life after death. John 12, verse 23 to 25, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and... Now, please note, Jesus says, very truly, I tell you. He didn't just start telling them. He says, guys, this is a serious one. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. There's lots of revelation there. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Lots of revelation loaded in just that scripture. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. May God help us. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world. Remember, they're different lives. There's your life in this world, and then there's the higher life. Say to the person next to you, there's the higher life. 
Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for now many for eternal life. Many times we look at that word eternal life and we just think they will keep it for the life we'll have in heaven. Guiding principle, typically when the Bible talks about eternal life, it's talking about a quality of life. It's not just talking about life after death. How many of you know that eternal life begins now? How many of you know that when you die, if you're born again, your spirit doesn't die, it continues living? So this life that has been spoken about, this eternal life is a quality of life. But you only walk in it to the degree to which you're willing to die to this world. And this is central to the Christian faith. Amen? As I reject fleshly life, it releases the God kind of life. Then finally, number seven, we are freed through believing. We are freed through believing. The truth will set you free only when you know it. Resurrection life will be alive and active in you only when you believe it. Only when you receive what Jesus did on the cross. We are freed through believing. Acts chapter 13, verse 38 to 39. Acts chapter 13, verse 38 to 39. says, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man... Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed. Everyone who does what? Who believes what happened to them? They are freed. They're not freed by singing a nice song. They're not freed by going to the counterfeits that we spoke of earlier on. Anyone who believes in Jesus is freed from everything which could not which you, from from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses isn't that powerful